Before we get started today, uh, I wanted to read you a note that I, I got recently. And um, before I do that, I need to give you a little background. We're in uh, this next five steps as a church. We said these are the next five things that we're doing. And uh, if you remember, we haven't talked about it for a little bit, but we stopped in uh, last fall. We started with 4440, and we just took 40 days to say, God, we want to be steadfastly dependent upon you. And what we're in right now is we're in, in step two, and we're talking about walking like a disciple, which is why we're in Ephesians talking about our identity in Christ, which is intricate to understanding what it means to uh, be a disciple and to make disciples. Uh, currently, we're developing a tool called the Map of Transformation, which is uh, kind of being prototyped out there not right now. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's out there in, in several different settings. We're just working through this tool. And we hope to, at the end of this summer or at the latest next fall, to just roll that out on a wide scale and say, here's a tool for everyone to help you walk as a follower of Jesus, to be a disciple and to make disciples. And so we're really excited about that. We're also laying the groundwork currently for step three as we're developing kind of a grid to talk about strategic partners and what this looks like for our church. And so um, that groundwork is our, already happening there for step three, even though we're not focusing on it. We've also uh, talked a little bit about step five. It's, it's out there a ways, but to say, hey, if, if we are, are going to have a facility that helps us to bring people together, to live, love, and give like Jesus, that we need to start saving some money. And we've been doing that. Um, it, uh, March and April, we've met all our expenses for the first time in about six months. So we're excited for that. And uh, we've been able to save a little bit of money um, also. So we still need to make progress in that. Uh, we have a lot of room to grow. But it, these are exciting times, what's happening. And, and it's not just about what's happening in the future. And that's why I want to read this note to you. Because God is doing some amazing things right now. If you, if you would have come to middle school on Wednesday night, you would have seen uh, 30 middle school students throwing whipped cream at each other. It was hilarious. Um, and, uh, and, and just enjoying being together around the Word of God. That's been the theme all year long. And then out back in the backyard, we've partnered with Young Life. Uh, and there were 75 or so high school students out there having the messiest club of the year. And it was disgusting and, and awesome all at the same time. And all this is happening because of, of our partnership with Young Life and because we have a core of committed people pouring into our middle school students. One of our middle school students who doesn't attend Waukee Community Church on Sundays, her family doesn't come here, um, but she comes every week because this is her only uh, place where she can come and learn about uh, Jesus Christ. And she wrote a note, and I, I just want to read part of that to you. She talks in her testimony about how she came to know Christ through Hidden Acres. That's the Evangelical Free Church camp that we participate in. Um, and then she says, and these are her words as a middle school student, she says, God came closer to me at camp, but then came middle school ministry. They dug even deeper with the Bible and with God. I'm so happy to have joined this group because without it, I would be lost. Thank you so much. And it's just little notes like that that just say, man, God is doing such good things. It's so good to see to, a part of it, to be a part of what he's doing here at Waukee Community Church. And so on this Mother's Day, we celebrate moms, but we want to also uh, especially give glory to Jesus Christ and how his spirit is working and some of the awesome things he is doing. Before, as we dig into the scripture today, let me pray uh, as, we, as we turn uh, to Ephesians chapter 3. 
Heavenly Father, we're so grateful to you, God, for all you're doing and what we get to be a part of. These are just exciting times. It's rainy and dreary outside, but God, you are good and, and our hearts are filled with rejoicing over all that Jesus, that you have done and are doing. Thanks for Faith in Action Sunday, God. 140 of us went out. 140 of us went out to do 28 projects and we got to interact with people about the gospel. God, I think in particular about Nancy, who I got to interact with, whose husband has COPD and is just suffering. Um, thank you, Lord, for the privilege of praying with her and just loving her with the love of Christ. God, you are so good, and you provide so many opportunities. And I thank you that this is a church that responds, that says yes to you. And I love that about us. Would you be glorified today as we learn more about our identity in Christ? We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I was recently uh, at a restaurant with our family, and it was one of those restaurants where they had one of those Coca-Cola machines, which you guys know I love Coca-Cola, but Coca-Cola machines where you can, like, there's like a thousand flavors in this thing. Have you seen these things? You, you walk out to them, and there's a computer screen, and you can invent any kind of soda you want. And so I'm standing in line for this soda machine, and there's this girl up there, and she is going through all the screens trying to figure out which one she wants. And she is taking forever. I mean, you know, because every soda has like 17 different varieties. And uh, so I'm watching her and she's going through and finally she makes her selection. She selects water. <laughs> I was like, you got to be kidding me. You, you could make a soda that no one had ever even thought of before and you choose water. Really? I mean, come on, you can ask anything. That's what it makes me think of when I think of Ephesians chapter 3. The Apostle Paul is going to pray to the Almighty God of the universe, and he can ask anything. And you read this passage and you think, he asks this? Like, this, this is what he asks? You could ask anything of the God of the universe, and that's what you ask. I, I mean, I really, what are you saying even, Paul, when you read this passage? What, what is he even saying there? Well, today we want to unpack this prayer. This prayer that Paul offers up on behalf of the Ephesians. This, these things that Paul asks the Almighty God for. And we want to unpack that. And by the end of our time together, I hope that I want you to see that you are in love that you are in love in Christ. I'll explain that more later. The very first thing we see kind of building up to this passage is we were reminded uh, as we review what we did two weeks ago that we have a powerful God. We serve a very powerful God. In fact, verse 12, which isn't in our passage this week, but was in our passage last time, two weeks ago, says, in him and through faith in him, we can approach God with freedom and confidence. We can boldly approach this almighty God. And, and Paul has set the stage to talk about that here in Ephesians 3. He said, you can approach God boldly and confidently. So Paul is ready. He's ready to go. He's ready to approach God boldly and confidently. And then we get into this passage and Paul says, I kneel before the Father from whom the whole family in heaven and earth derives its name. What Paul is saying here is that he's hinting on what he's talked about previously. That God's 
powerful purpose was to bring these two people together, the Jews and the Gentiles. He brings two completely different people groups together in Christ in one person. And this is no small task. I mean, just think about what it would take to, do, to bring two totally different people groups together with totally different backgrounds, totally different education, totally different learning styles. He brings them together in Christ. And Paul reminds us we have one powerful God. And then what's fascinating is in verse 14, he says, For because of this power, because of this confidence that we have that we can approach God, I kneel before the Father. This is real, this doesn't seem odd to us, but this was a little bit odd for Paul to write the word kneel. We think about prayer and we think kneel sounds totally fine. Kneel, I kneel in prayer. That sounds normal to us. But for, for a, a Jew, which Paul was a good Jew, uh, per, kneeling was not a normal posture of prayer. In the Gospels, we learn and we see the Jewish practice of the day was to stand before God. It almost seems like in, I, I could get to walk into God's presence with bold confidence. I should stand in his presence. But Paul flips it here. He says, in the presence of an almighty God, I can go to him with confidence, but I choose to kneel. I choose to be respectful and humble, not demanding. We take prayer seriously, and Paul takes prayer seriously because prayer is a powerful thing. Let us not miss this. It is so easy in life to be so busy that we don't have time to pray. It's just difficult to pray. We throw in a prayer as we're driving, as we're doing this or that, but to carve out time, which is what Satan wants because prayer is the most powerful thing. We get to go to an almighty God with anything we want. So Paul has this access. He says, I can go boldly into the presence of an all-powerful God, an almighty God. I can walk boldly into his presence and ask for anything. So what does he ask for? This is fascinating. He doesn't ask for wealth. Of course not. This is Paul, right? Paul's already said that he's not really interested in that stuff. So, but he could ask for wealth. He doesn't. He could ask for an easy life, but he doesn't. In fact, he's just said, don't be discouraged by my imprisonment. I'm exactly where God wants me to be. He doesn't ask to get out of jail. He doesn't ask for healing, although that's a good thing to ask for. But he doesn't ask for it here. He doesn't even ask for an expansion in the work and the number of churches that he's planting. You'd think that'd be a good thing. You know, expand the movement, God. That's not, he, he can ask for anything. He, what does he ask for? He essentially prays that the Ephesians would know him, would know Christ more. He simply prays that the Ephesians would know Christ more. I mean, really, what? It's like someone gave you a gift card to Fleming's, and you go sit down at Fleming's, and you're ready, you know, you think, what kind of steak can I want to enjoy? And there's all these steaks laid out before you, and you order a hot dog. I mean, that's kind of what it feels like here. What is he doing? Know Christ more? You could ask for anything, Paul. But then he gets specific. He says, I want you to know Christ more specifically, and it's two-point sermon today. Be strengthened in God's power. Be rooted in his love. Be strengthened in God's power. Be rooted in his love. Now, what's fascinating is positionally, these things are already true about Christians. They're already true. But Paul now is going to pray that they would increasingly be true. It's this already not yet that we talk about a lot in Scripture. This truth that believers are positionally already strengthened and already rooted in love. But it, he prays that it would be ever increasingly so. 
Who are you? We're in this series, Embrace Your Identity in Christ. Today, I need you to know, and I want you to know that you are in love. You are in love. Not the mushy kind of love. That's not what I'm talking about. You're like, oh, I'm in love. Not the in love that I had when I was 13 years old, and I met this girl named Michelle at camp, and I swore that I would name my firstborn child after her, um, which Nicholas is really grateful that <laughs> didn't work out. But, you know, like, uh, not that mushy kind of love. That's not what I'm talking about. You're not in love like that. But in Christ, you are in the love of Christ. That's who you are as a Christian. You are in the love of Christ. In Christ's love, Paul prays for these two things. In reality, what he wants you to do is immerse yourself more and more in these truths. This is his prayer. So I want to today, together, I want to look at what it means to be in love. In love, you're strengthened in Christ. In love, you are rooted in Christ. So let's look at this first one together. In love, you are strengthened in Christ. Look at verse 16. So Paul says, I, I'm kneeling before this powerful Father, in verse 16. And I'm praying that out of the glorious riches, out of his glorious riches, that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. This is so fascinating here. God is a storehouse of riches. Did you see it there? Out of his glorious riches. God is a storehouse of riches. Think about this. You're being strengthened. Paul says, be strengthened out of the storehouse of God's riches. So uh, I asked Pam Alexander if I could share this story, and she said yes. So there you go. I, uh, she, about a year ago, Pam knows that my family eats cereal like you can't even imagine, right? We just go through the cereal. And so uh, Pam is a, a extreme couponer, I would say, and so she, she disagrees. She has a lot of coupons, and somehow she got a hold of a deal once where she got so much cereal for like next to nothing. She had boxes and boxes of cereal. So like at 10 o'clock one night, because Pam's a night owl, she drove over to my house and uh, she dropped off this, I mean, just endless supply of cereal is what it felt like. My cabinets out in the garage where we keep all the overflow of food were just stacked with cereal. I had an endless storehouse of cereal at our house. It was amazing. Now, what do you do when you have an endless storehouse of cereal? You eat it, you know? You go, you, we don't hoard it. We don't go, oh, I'm sorry. The kids, can I have more cereal? No, I'm sorry. You know, we only have a thousand box. It wasn't a thousand, but you get the idea. We only, no, we have a storehouse of cereal. We are abundant in cereal. Go get a box. Go get two boxes. Go get three boxes, you know, much to the chagrin of my wife. Why are there three boxes open on the counter? You know, uh, you, have, we, you don't hoard it. You work in abundance from a storehouse. And that's what Paul says to us, out of God's storehouse of riches, these glorious riches, he's strengthening us from that. Now, what's fascinating here is there's a grammatical parallelism here. And it's really important, that you, even if you didn't understand what I just said, it's important that you understand this, okay? There's a parallelism in the text. Paul says two things. He says, and, and he's essentially saying the same thing. He says you'll be strengthened with power through his spirit, the Holy Spirit, in your inner being. And then he talks about Christ dwelling in your hearts through faith. So the spirit is in our inner being as Christians. 
Jesus is in our heart through faith. And all Paul is saying is the two ways of saying the same thing. The very God of the universe lives in you. For what purpose? So that you can be strengthened. Why would you be strengthened? Why would you be indwelt? To know Christ better. This is the whole point of being in Christ's love. In, in him, you are in his love. Why? The whole point is to know him better. This is beautiful. The thing Paul prays for above everything else is that you'd be strengthened in relationship with Christ. In other words, he prays that you would grow in Christ. The goal of the Christian life should be to know Christ more. To know his person, to know his character, to know his teachings, to know his lifestyle, to know his missions, to know his values, to know what it means to become more like him. God lives in you. Find strength to grow in that. Sometimes, let's be honest, this can be difficult. It can be difficult. How can I know Christ more? It's easier to ask different questions. How can I know Christ more is a hard question to ask. It's easier to ask things like, how can I have a better life? How can I get through my trials? How can I know Christ better? That's a hard question. An easy question, but a hard question is, how can I know Christ better? A hard question is, how can I let Christ have more and more of me? One of my favorite theologians is I've been studying in the book of Ephesians is a guy named Klein Snodgrass. And uh, I like him just because he's got a great name, but also because his teachings and his writings on Ephesians are really good. And one of the things that Klein says is this. He says, Paul prays for his readers that the Spirit will be so strong of an influence at the controlling center of their being that their lives will show it. Yes. Strengthened. In your inner being, your heart, your place that controls your actions. Know Christ, Paul says, so that, you can, that he can strengthen you and you can live like him. This is the goal. This is why we call ourselves Christ followers. This is why we're a Christian. The goal is to be more like Christ. Sometimes, as simple as that may sound, we get totally distracted. And the enemy does not want us to remember a simple thing like that to be strengthened, the goal to become like Jesus in our inner being. You see, distraction is the enemy's tool. He wants you to forget that. He wants you to focus on everything else other than knowing Christ more. If all you've ever done in life is to continue to grow more and more to be like Jesus, then you have done everything. The enemy wants the opposite. He wants you to focus on lies, doesn't he? He wants to lie to you to get you off focus, to get you off course, and he lies to you. He says, if you just get this or that taken care of, then it'll be time to be strengthened in Christ. Or he lies to you, says, you've failed and you've messed up too many times. You can't be strengthened in Christ. Or he lies and says, you're too broken. You can't be strengthened. Or you're far away from Christ. You've failed too many times. He lies to you and he says, you'll never become like Christ. Just give up. He did, or just distract. The enemy loves to lie and distract. As I was thinking about that this week, as I was, uh, my heart was just very heavy for our friends over at West Wind Church. You know, 
uh, their family pastor took his own life last week. And uh, just devastating for that church family and just devastating for his own family. And one of the things uh, their pastor, Brandon, said um, at the funeral and in a message he preached last Sunday, uh, one of the things he said is that D.B., the pastor that took his own life, D.B. believed Satan's lie, that he was worthless, that he was no good, that he didn't have anything to contribute, and that he was holding the church back. Those were lies from Satan. And D.B. believed it and ultimately took his own life because of it. I mean, how many of us believe and listen to the lies of Satan? He wants to distract us. He wants to take us off course. Paul prays that they would be strengthened because he knows that distractions and lies are always out there. And the reality is that Christ is in us through faith. It's his power, not ours. He is the faithful one. So now our natural reaction, I think, for many of us when we read this passage, that Paul prays that we'd be strengthened in our, in our being, like that, that strength in Christ, we'd be strengthened in Christ. Our natural reaction is to put more pressure on ourselves, you know? Like, okay, now I got to wake up at 5 a.m. because the 6 wasn't early enough and I don't have time. So I got to wake up at 5 a.m. every day and I got to spend more time because you're right. I got to be strengthened in my, so I, I got to do more, do more, do more, do more. And we just wear ourselves out. How do we do this? I'm tired. I don't have time to be strengthened. I can't add more things. The power to be strengthened in your inner being comes not from you, but from the love of God. Don't miss this. In love, you are strengthened in Christ. There's a second thing. In love, you are rooted in Christ. Actually, you're in love, you're rooted in the love of Christ, to use the word twice. If you are in Christ, you are rooted in love. Look what the text says. 17, the second half of verse 17. He says, I pray that you, to the Ephesians, he prays this. I pray that you all, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love. The power to know Christ more comes not from self-determination, but rather from rootedness. And this good, think about that. The power to know Christ more not comes from yourself and just your own determination. It comes from the rootedness in the love of Christ. Carrie Neal was sharing this with me this week. She told me I should use this in a sermon illustration. I thought it was a pretty good one. She was out weeding in her uh, yard, and she was actually planting some new grass seed, getting ready, and she came across these weeds. And as she was laying down the grass seed or the sod, I think, that she was working with, uh, she tried to pull the, the, root, the weeds out, but the reeds was one of those weeds with a really long root. And like, it wouldn't come out, you know what I'm saying? Like, that root was so far down in there that the weed wouldn't come out. So she just hacked it off and covered it over, and she said, I know it's coming back, <laughs> you know? And I was thinking about that, and she was saying, how isn't that, that's like the love of Christ. We're supposed to be rooted. He's our anchor. He's our root that goes down deep and holds us in place. In love, this is why Christ is in our hearts through faith. In love, it's the anchor that holds us in place. I mean, do you understand today how much Christ loves you? Do you understand it? Think about this. Just think about this for a moment. How much Christ loves you. 
Uh, it's Mother's Day. You know, a lot of us have moms, uh, and you know, we think about our moms and their love for us. Now, some, you know, have had bad experiences with your mom. Some of you have great experience with your moms. For some, Mother's Day is a very painful day. For others, Mother's Day is a very joyful day. But if you just think about, everybody can imagine at least what a good mom is like. And there's a depth of love and sacrifice in our moms. Uh, you know, I just thinking about my wife. I, I remember uh, when Malachi one day, she was changing his diaper and he wasn't feeling the best. And while he had his, while she had his diaper open, he literally sprayed poop all over her, you know? And I'm just like, oh my goodness, only the love of a mother, right? Like, that's all, you know, it's just... Here's what you do, mom. They, mom's sacrifice and love. It's the, it just gives us, I think, moms get, give us a picture sometimes of, a good mom gives us a picture of what the love of God is like, the love he has for his children. You have roots in God's love in your life. So he says, you're rooted in this love. The root goes down deep and it holds you in place. And then he says this. He's going to pray two, two things out of that that you may have power, together with all the saints, to grasp the width, length, height, and depth of this kind of love. This word grasp is a great word. He says it means literally to lay a hold of or grab or attack or seize. It's not just think about it and contemplate it. It's not just sit in your chair and go, I'm going to think about the love of God. That's not a bad thing to do. It's a good thing to do. But this word is, takes another step. This says, go grasp that knowledge. Go lay a hold of it. Seize it. Take it for yours. Go embrace the love and go get it. You don't have to go find the love. It's there. Seize it. Take hold of it. Uh, you know, imagine that someone gave you, uh, let's say, all three Lord of the Rings movies. Right? You'd never seen them before. Okay? Someone gave them to you. Bought them all in a set and gave them to you. If you know the Lord of the Rings, you realize that's like nine plus hours of movie watching. And, you know, they're yours. They gave them to you and you own all three Lord of the Rings. But when you realize they're nine plus hours, some, we, some of us have two different reactions. Seriously, nine hours of fantasy goblins? <laughs> that nine hours, that's daunting. Some of you would say nine hours of fantasy I want it. I'm going to go get it. And you'd just sit down and you'd get pizzas and you'd go watch nine hours straight. You'd seize it. It's yours. Go get it. That is what Paul is praying. He's saying, I pray that you would grasp it, that you'd have the power. Go exploring. Imagine that someone gave you a massive ranch in Montana. And on, they just gave it to you. And on that ranch, there was a beautiful home. And for miles in every direction was your property. Imagine you just said, you know, I'm content here in the house. It's a nice house. You like it? In fact, I'm just content with this one room. Good enough for me. Uh, I'll just stay here. When there's this whole world that you could go explore, go get it. That's what Paul is saying. I'm praying that you would grasp the extent of being rooted in his love. There is an activity to this word. The love of God drives us to action. It changes us. So he says, since you're rooted in God's love, go grasp it. But then also know it. Verse 19. He says, I'm praying that you would grasp it. Verse 18. And I'm praying that since you're rooted in this love, verse 19, that you would to know this love that surpasses knowledge. 
This word know is a, is a pretty cool word. It's, the idea is to know intimately. It, it, it's the word, it has an eye on learning, but truly knowing. In other contexts, this word, um, this word is used for uh, the biblical concept of a married couple knowing each other. We would often say it's a euphemism for intimate marital relations. Uh, this is what the Bible often uses this word for, especially in the Greek translation of the Old Testament. This is the word that is used for this intimate marriage relationship. And so the idea here is that gnosko, this word, is used of our relationship with not God because in that same way there's this intimacy of being known. Think about in marriage how, how that act brings together. It's this beautiful knowing of another person. And in the same way, that same kind of knowing is what Paul is praying for the Ephesians. That they would intimately know God, not sexually, but, but in terms of closeness. There's an intimacy of knowledge that comes with the love of God. Knowing the love of God does not merely mean thinking about it. It doesn't mean observing it from afar. It does mean diving into an inheritance and learning about God's love firsthand. Uh, you know, it's, it's like in my marriage, I never stopped learning about my wife. Last night, I just learned that she likes pinwheel cookies. I never heard of those before. And we tried to find some. I don't even know where you get them. But uh, I learned that last night. I never stopped learning stuff about her. In fact, the, I know my wife likes Etsy, this website Etsy. I gotta tell you, Etsy baffles me. Like, I don't even get it. I looked at the website. I look at stuff. I, it's all garage sale stuff, as far as I can tell. And I'm like, why do we want this stuff? You know, so I have to ask uh, Clarissa's friends, help me figure out Etsy so I can love my wife by ordering her something on here that's meaningful to her. Uh, I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to grow closer to her. I'm trying to know more about her and never stop learning because gifts aren't my thing. They are. She likes gifts. I know this. Uh, I, you know, I, I've told you guys, many of you guys this story before, but uh, I think gifts should be useful. So the very first Christmas that we were married, uh, I was told that I had to go fill her stocking. And so I had to get something for her stocking. So I went out and I thought, what do we need? We needed an extension cord. So I bought an extension cord and I put it in her stocking. And she opened it up that morning. I really thought she was going to say, oh, it's great. We needed this extension cord. Instead, I got mocked incessantly. So every Christmas since then, she's gotten an extension cord in her stocking. <laughs> 19 of them around the house. <laughs> you know, I don't get it. I don't get this gifts thing. I'm not good at it, but I want to because I want to know her more. I want to know her more. And it's just like that with God. When we, go, we, go, we know that we know we are constantly learning things. And this is where it gets even better. Look what he says. To know this love that surpasses knowledge. So the love of God for us is so deep that it's unknowable. So Paul just prayed that we would know what is unknowable. Talk about irony, huh? That is the extent of the love of God. And what Paul's point is, is that I'm praying that you would know this love that God has for you that is so deep and so that you would grow more and more and more and more to know this love. Oh, this is powerful. 
Just think for a second. I mean, I was just thinking for a few minutes about the ways that God loves us. Ways that are obvious to us all. You know, Psalm 139 says, He knit me together in my mother's womb. From before the time you were born, God loved you. I mean, I remember when my first kid was born. We've had a lot of them, so I, I do actually remember that one. And uh, I remember them all, kind of. But uh, that, that one in particular, I remember holding Nicholas. And I remember at that moment saying or feeling something like, he's my, like holding, you know, holding him. He wasn't, I couldn't do that anymore. But anyway, holding him and, and thinking he's mine. Like, I did this. And of course, my wife's saying, excuse me, you did what? <laughs> After she just got done pushing. And, but I'm just thinking, you know, like, wow. And that's the way God feels about you. He, he loves you from before you were born. He knit you. Oh, it's beautiful. He created you. He weeps with you. And God loves you enough to come alongside and weep with you when you're weeping. Uh, when uh, that picture of Jesus crying over the death of his friend Lazarus demonstrates God's heart. He loves you enough to weep with you when it's hard. You know, he died for you. Bob did a great job of, of trying to summarize in a PG way the, the cost of the death of Christ. He loves you. He's waiting patiently. He lives in us. He must love you. There's this depth to the love of God. And you are rooted in that love. So grasp it. Know it. How deep is it? That's how deep and wide and long and, and, and high that love is. You are loved because you are in Christ. And you are in his love. So be strengthened in his love and be rooted in his love. Okay, so now you say, so what? Okay, so Paul wants us to grasp this. He wants us to know it. He wants us to be strengthened in it. Oh, so, so what? Well, he says then, be filled in his love. Look at the last half of verse 19. He says, I want you to grasp this and know this, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. You should be filled in his love. Many years ago, before we had kids, or when we just had a couple uh, Thursday and I got to go on a cruise. And uh, this is a long time ago, uh, but I remember sitting on that cruise. Um, the cruise took off and we sailed out in, into the ocean. And I remember sitting on the deck as the sun of the ship, as the sun was coming down and looking out, and I could see kind of the land disappear. Like it just, we finally kind of came out of view of land, and every direction I looked was water. And at that moment, I had a feeling of smallness. You know, what? like, I'm a very small person in a very big ocean. It's kind of like being hugged by Peter, you know? Like, I feel very small when Peter hugs me. And uh, it's like that. Like, there's this, 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 I'm small, and this is big. Out on the ocean, there is endless water. And if I had jumped in at that moment, I would have been completely surrounded when Paul says, I pray that you'd be filled to the measure of fullness, today I just want you to feel like that, he says. Like you are surrounded in an ocean of God's love for you. Now, imagine that there's a measuring cup out on that ocean. And the goal of the measuring cup 
is to be filled with water. Well, it seemed to be an easy thing, right? There's water all around. Just dip in it. And I think that is a good picture of what Paul is praying if we've been filled. Actually, we're, we're filled to overflowing. It's the idea that the measuring cup dips in the ocean because it's filled, it's all, but it's already, there's more abundance. It's overflowing. It's like a cup of water. that The water just keeps pouring into it over and over, being filled and overfilled again again in this beauty of God's love. And being filled with that kind of love changes everything. You don't have to withhold love from others. You extend it to, do, to those who don't deserve it. You become a life-giving fountain to others. I once knew a counselor, a Christian counselor, and he just told me, he said, Dave, uh, when I go to church, I can look around and I can tell which wives and which husbands are filled up with love from their spouse. Like, I can just look. I can just tell it. And he's like, those that are filled up with love from their spouse overflow into love for others. And I was like, that's a good picture. How about we're filled with the love of Christ? Overflowing so our lo- his love flows out into others. So to some, this is overwhelming. It just is. To some of us, we're strugglers and we just like to do everything on our own and it's overwhelming to think, that we can't make God love us more. He already does. Some of us, you don't feel like you can get past whatever's hurtful in your past. Whatever hurdle, whatever thing you did or thing happened to you that you can't get past and you think, I don't know if I can be fully loved. I don't know if I can immerse myself in that kind of love. You can't, for some, you can't move past the guilt. Some of you are mad at God. You're just mad. I don't like the way my life turned out, God, and I'm mad at you. I don't want to be immersed in your love. Or some of you think that God just couldn't love you that much. Or some of you think, how am I supposed to know the unknowable? Our worship team is going to come and we're going to sing in response. And if you're feeling that way today, I would just leave you with these words from the text. To you who are overwhelmed, to wonder if you can really truly ever grasp the love of Christ, I would read this. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you that we are rooted in the love of Christ. Help us to know it more and more. Help us to grasp it. God, I pray for Waukee Community Church, just like Paul prayed for the Ephesians, that we'd be strengthened in Christ. And that we would know how rooted we are in the love of Christ. Let us grasp it. Let us know it. Let us be changed by this love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as we respond to God in worship today?